Hello, welcome to Patched. I'm your host, Paul James, and today I'm joined by two very special guests. We've we've kicked out Damo and Matto. They're, they're shit. We don't want them anymore. Chris Button, Stephen Del Prado, both of Player 2 fame. Welcome aboard. Howdy, howdy. Thank you for having me. No worries. We're, we're here because it's a very special week for, for nerds, especially if you were kind of brought up somewhere near the 90s. Final Fantasy VII Remake is available now in Australia, the rest of the world. I don't know, enjoy the reviews for a little bit longer and you can play it later in the week. Sucked in. So, Stephen, you've done the review for the site. I've, uh, done yes. a, I've done a player two plays for the site, so I've really contributed. And Chris, you're coming at Final Fantasy as someone who doesn't necessarily know the game overly well. So we've kind of put together a really good combination of people here to really thrash this Final Fantasy VII Remake conversation out, I think. So, Stephen, we better kick off with you. Because you've got the review up on the site, give us give us a brief little synopsis of your review before we ultimately route everyone over towards the site to go check it out. Um, Final Fantasy VII Remake is a stellar reimagining of the original game, but it is not without faults. Well, uh, and and discuss a little bit, just just surface level, because we will ultimately deal with some of that later. Oh, as just in general like overall or some of the issues that i had yeah go, go a little top level with some of those faults and then we'll, we'll kind of thrash a few of these things out as a group shortly okay I, I think the hardest thing about reviewing this game is that you're torn between coming at it from an angle of someone who is a huge fan of the original and had that very formative experience of it as my first jrpg ever living in australia and square never bringing that stuff over to australia <laughs> generally um, but also trying to think about those people who are coming into this with absolutely zero nostalgia for the game to trade off. And believe me when I say that, this thing is dripping with nostalgia bait. It feels really manipulative in some situations, completely on purpose. And I'm not going to lie and say it doesn't work because it, it absolutely works. But, but at the same time, I can see through it. I can feel the strings being pulled and it's kind of hard to give it a free pass on that considering there's probably a sizable portion of the audience who are coming to this with none of those elements working for them. That's fair. Well, Chris, uh, you're, you're one of those people that are coming at this thing without a great deal of experience. So how, how much time have you put into the game so far? Yeah, so for the remake, I'm going to say roughly around five hours. So I'm, I'm multiple chapters in. I'm, I'm into, what is it, Sector 7 or whatever? Oh, you're in the slums. Yeah, Yeah. so start where things you know start to sort of open up and you're given some of the side quests and that sort of thing. But, yeah, I've I've barely touched the original, so I will admit I, I am a sucker for hype, so I was certainly very interested to, you know, see what all the fuss was about, you know, the remake of Final Fantasy VII. And I think, admittedly, a lot of these characters, um, there's a little bit of familiarity because I did play a bunch of the uh, early Kingdom Hearts games where some of those characters were sort of there on the periphery. So I sort of recognise some of these characters and that sort of thing, but I don't necessarily have um, some of those big connections. So I'm, I'm very intrigued as to what uh, what Stephen says about some of this, uh, this alleged nostalgia bait uh, to see whether it's something that I'm still able to identify or whether it will just go whoosh straight over my head. Well, let's start with some of that story aspects, because that's where we can kind of address some of those points as well. Um, what have the both of you made of the narrative? Now, obviously, Stephen, you were able to 
talk to it in a far greater level than either of us because even in my experience I'm only up to chapter 7 as of the time that we are recording this sorry chapter 8 I should say as of the time we're recording this um, and Chris obviously you're not quite that far either and Stephen you're not going to spoil the ending here because apparently that's something else but um, what are we what are we kind of making of that, that narrative so far and uh, yeah Stephen you and I can talk about it through the lens of existing fans and kind of we knew we knew what the narrative was beforehand but there's obviously little twists and turns and changes in there what, what are we thinking of it so far it's 90 oh i don't know that's maybe a big call 90 percent is maybe a little bit too much it's it hits all the key beats and when it doesn't it does so for a reason there are you gentlemen have probably run into a few hints that things aren't quite going down the same path as the original whether you realize it or not oh, yeah, and a lot sure. of that will coalesce a lot of that is going to coalesce in the last couple of chapters and it seems to steadily increase which is where i take issue with them calling this remake i think that's a little bit of a sketchy word to throw onto the end of it mm. of, well the fact that the box doesn't say it's only part one is also marked so i'm sure yeah, square yeah, is going to cop plenty of flack for that i honestly can't be asked with it at the moment but it's generally the Final Fantasy VII that you remember. And I guess that's enough for them to be able to say, yeah, it's a remake. That's it, we're good. It's Final Fantasy VII, as you remember it. Boom, just get it out the door. Uh, I mean, more or less, pretty much. Uh, they've done a lot of um, work to expand elements that were sort of implied in the original and again people probably forget that the original didn't necessarily have the greatest translation into english so i don't wonder if some of the you know things we took for subtlety in the original or lack thereof were more to do with the translation letting us down a little bit so i think with another 23 years or so under their belt to really refine what they wanted that story to be of course go back and add in things that they couldn't do at the time due to technological constraints but also just make the world a little bit richer and i don't just mean visually you're given more time between certain characters so that relationships can develop and characters that were like very loosely sketched in the original and now fully formed here we're talking about like Biggs and Wedge and Jesse yeah. who now feel like they have meaningful roles in the overall narrative and aren't just bit players relegated to the opening sequence. You sure? I just think Jesse's trying to hit on me in every occasion. Uh, it is doing that awkward trope of um, <laughs> every female character falling over themselves for Cloud, which I don't know yeah. that I particularly dig and they are doing some really heavy lifting in the early Aerith scenes to bash you over the head with this is the girl you're supposed to like this is the love interest and it 100% doesn't end badly we think Chris what about you as someone coming at it you know yeah, relatively blindly for the most part what, what are mm. you noticing so far yeah well it's it's interesting because because I think if there were if there were a gaming bible I think Final Fantasy 7 would have its own book because of how how heavily ingrained its sort of mythos is in sort of you know wider sort of gaming circles and that sort of thing so i've got the loose understanding of okay there's a group of people who are labeled eco-terrorists you know there's this 
woman that potentially something bad happens to who's named Eris, Aerith. I, is, is that a transla- now tell me, is that a translation thing or did people get her name wrong for such a long time? What's the go there? I believe that was a translation thing because it would be really easy to go with Eris um, instead of Aerith when you're translating that particular name. So oh, right, she, okay. Is she actually Eris or Aerith then? I'm going to go with Aerith, given that this is, you know, what they've gone with. Again, it could be just some meta weirdness that they're playing with in terms of um, the character name. But my take is that they always intended it to be Aerith and it was just something lost in translation. That they can now correct. Yep. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, because I, you know, I know uh, a lot of that sort of surface level stuff, but a lot of the the parts in between I know next to nothing about. But I think um, early on I've been absolutely blown away with the the sheer production value of of everything. And I think Square Enix are just flexing at this point with what their visuals department are capable of doing. So I think I've certainly been sucked in by all the the pretty pictures and the pretty lights um, and... I, I do like the a lot of the characters that I've met early on. In fact, um, I have taken quite a shine to uh, what is it the the leader of this group, uh, Barrett. Oh, Barrett. Barrett. I find find him quite uh, quite charming. This you know big rough exterior, but he's really a big softy on the inside. So I've uh, yeah been quite enamoured with um, with Barrett, and you know coming to the slums and there's um, what's her face uh, Tifa, um, yep. you know who. I was a bit of a fan favorite, I'm led to believe, and I you know, think she's quite a quite a charming character and and that sort of thing. So I'm I'm liking a lot of those uh, a lot of those characters and some of those sort of early story beats and just from what I've played, um, you know, from the uh, the opening section in in Midgar where you are, uh, you know, attempting to sabotage this reactor. And it sort of seems like, um, you know, your uh, individual impact as this sort of eco group is uh, largely overstated due to um, other influences at play. So I'm very intrigued to see what's going on there. Which is actually really interesting because, and I think you you and I are about to say the same thing there, Stephen, but like the original game, Shinra had nothing, well, at least what the the player saw, they had nothing to do with the explosion. Like, it went off and it, it is what it is. Ah. And so we're not, we're not spoiling too much here for anyone who's not gone out and played it yet because... You would literally get this the, out of the, the demo. demo. And it's the first 30 minutes or so of the game. But, um, well, unless you're really, really slow when you're trying to get out of there. Um, but it's... Yeah, they, like, Shinra has nothing to do with it. It's, it's actually really quite interesting that it becomes overblown and that... Avalanche didn't have nearly the influence over the initial explosion because that was my impression the whole time. Like, they blew it up, that's it, it was done. Uh, and it was all them. And it turns out it wasn't. And then it kind of spawns this, oh, you know, I, I did all this damage and blah, 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 blah. And actually, you made a little dent in the a chink in the armor, but they actually finished the job to make you look really far worse. Mm. It's, it's kind of interesting how that's... And again, I'm you know not done yet, but how that will develop from there and does does that come out do they eventually discover that actually everything was quite overblown you know i don't know steven you know shut up that's what <laughs> well I, that that shift serves a few purposes and i think it does so very well one it sets shinra up as a truly evil corporation more so than it did in the original yeah. and i think it humanizes uh avalanche a little bit more to be this sort of well-meaning but 
ultimately ineffective eco-terrorism group so that then any significant damage can't be attributed to them. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So sort and, of, uh, it sort of does a better job of absolving them of wider harm. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, and I think it also is tying into that overarching narrative that was touched upon in the original release, that is the war between Midgar and Wutai, but something that obviously is going to play a much bigger role in this Cut two, three, four, version. whatever it is. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, can we just get it out of the way? Can we just put Crisis Core in here somehow, please? I mean, you can do whatever you want, Paul. It's your show. Uh, okay, cool. Let's let's do it. Uh, I've been begging him for it for de- uh, for a year, for years. Let's just do it. Um, all right. So the combat, uh, which is something that we don't have to worry too much about spoilers for. That's that's for, sh- uh, for sure. Uh, it certainly seems to be a point of division. Just in the, I mean, we we started recording this shortly after the embargo lifted tonight, and Stephen, your review went up, and then there was other sites and YouTubers and whatnot starting to put their reviews up as well. And the combat has been a big point of difference in a few cases. Um, and it seems like, from what I can gather, all three of us might actually be on the same page, though. So we're not divided at all. Um, thoughts on the combat? It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's that's the box quote right there. That's that's not going to get us on yeah any boxes. Come on, mate, sharpen it up. It has <laughs> issues. It improves upon its forebears in that it's drawing heavily from Kingdom Hearts three and Final Fantasy fifteen. Yep. And I appreciate some of the things they're doing in there. Uh, there is a large emphasis on manually controlling each character because the party AI, as I said in my review, is freaking useless. And if you are not directing them to do things, they'll they you know they will stand in the uh, AOE attacks. They will not heal properly. They won't use you know the right combination of attacks at particular moments. You need to tell them what to do. They are blithering idiots running around the battlefield, spamming regular attacks. Otherwise, generally. it almost it almost makes the classic mode feel justified in some ways. Well, the interesting thing about classic mode is it defaults to the easy difficulty level. Yeah. Whereas I played through on normal. Yeah. Which, and- again, it really emphasizes those enemy weaknesses. So there are some boss battles where if you are not targeting that enemy with its weakness or basically following what the steps, the assess material reveals to you are required, you're going to be bashing your head against a brick wall for 40 minutes. Which is not ideal. And that's if you even survive it, at which point you maybe have to restart from scratch and... It come does in with do the that. right materia and all that sort of thing. Absolutely. Like, preparation is essential, and I think that's why they don't allow you to have hard mode until you've completed the game, because you would be walking into so many of those fights with the incorrect materia set up and just having to and reload the prior save, stack your materia correctly for that individual boss battle, and then give it a go. Normal, yeah, you can generally scrape by, but it's a war of attrition, Easy is not what I'd recommend if you're going to play this. If you're going to play it easy, probably just do the classic mode because I tested out a few battles on easy and it's not challenging. Like in easy mode, you don't really need to switch to the other characters because what they're doing is still effective, unlike normal mode. Yeah. Yeah, okay, I'll follow. Uh, Chris, what about you? Um, so you're obviously much earlier in the whole process there, but I think you've probably by this point, if you're in, what you say, you're in chapter three, you've probably got a little bit of a snapshot now as how it works and how it all comes together. 
Yeah, so I've started doing some of the the side quests where, uh, at least from my perspective, some of the the battles and some of the enemies are starting to become a bit more varied, and you know, uh, testing you know testing you out with some of these additional materia and using assess and that sort of stuff, like as Stephen has said. But even even um, just taking a step back to the the difficulty options. I, I found that really off-putting at the start in terms of how it was broken up into uh, normal, easy, and classic. Oh, but classics defaulting to easy because I, I was sort of... I would have appreciated perhaps some, some middle ground where I can, um, you know, play... Or, you know, I've been playing on normal, so playing, you know, I suppose what the game the states... The way it's intended is, to be played, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's sort of the, the core experience is for that mix of battle and, and story. Uh, but then I would like to try classic, but I still I don't want to be playing on something that's going to be too easy or whatever, so I'd, I'd like yeah. something that's sort of a little bit little bit in between. But at this early stage, the, the combat hasn't quite clicked with me. Um uh, I do, I do find the sort of you know the real time action based sort of combat, um, you know, com- uh, broken up with the sort of you know slow motion um, tactical combat uh, side of things where you you know will do an ability or a spell or you know, switch to your other character, use an ability, uh, and then switch back and resume sort of the the real time battle. I find that interesting and. A, you know, potentially an engaging concept, but I have come across some of those battles where I feel like I've got the right, the right, uh, the right outfit or the right um, material set up, and feel like I've got the right elements and that sort of thing. But I've still found some of the battles to be quite difficult um, early yeah, on, okay. or feeling some of them a little bit spongy in terms of uh, the the numbers sort of going down, but the health bars still sort of pretty static. But again, uh, that could just be a simple case of me needing to get good. I mean, it, it took me a little while to get my head around because I'm like, okay, I'm using the right material. Why is this not necessarily kicking in? But it's, it's so much of it boils down to in a bit like, I guess, one of the parallels. Stephen, you and I discussed this well before the review even went live. Uh, Final Fantasy 13 with the stagger bar. Um, oh, yeah. You know, using the, which, you know, geez, it's, I might upset a few people if I start drawing comparisons between Final Fantasy 7 and 13. But, um, I did know, in my review. Go for it. Yeah, so sink the boots into Steve and these Twitter handles below him on the screen right now. Um, so, <laughs> uh, I mean, the, the stagger bar was one of the, personally, as far as I'm concerned, one of the really cool things about Final Fantasy 13. In fact, the combat was probably the best part of the whole game. Um, but, they, I don't know. They're just not quite. The balancing act's just not quite right when it comes to that combat. They they want you to they want you to stagger, but then it takes you a little bit too long to actually stagger them. At which point you've been beaten up on a little bit. You don't, your ATB bar's empty, so you can't even heal yourself up. So all of a sudden you're losing that momentum that you were building up, and it kind of has this weird knock-on effect. It's, I feel like all the systems in place are right, but they're just asking a smidge too much of you, or asking you to wail on this is enemy or whatever for just a little bit too long before are, you can really lay the smack on them before you break them and stagger them and then you can finally finish them off potentially there are a few issues that tie into that and i think it speaks to chris you wondering um why classic defaults to easy i think they know that the battles take too long and because easy or because classic mode i should say is already inherently a slower experience I cannot imagine how long it would take to get through some of these battles on that classic mode combined with 
normal or hard difficulty, considering right. you can't use items hard difficulty. You can't use what, items in hard. No. And oh, one wow. of the things I would say about this game is that, oh my god, a JRPG where I feel like using items is essential and I'm encouraged to do it. It's been since, what, I don't know, Rogue Galaxy since I've played a JRPG that did that. Yeah, yeah, you've been able to find ways around it fairly regularly in, in the more modern stuff. So, in terms of the combat, and I mentioned this in my review, some of the issues I have are pretty much down to the animations in that it's really easy for you to be interrupted by an enemy attack, but if an enemy's about to attack you, hitting the guard button is not going to start you guarding right away because it's not going yeah. to cancel out any previous actions that you've input. And some of these enemies attack pretty damn quickly. Yeah. So I think I'm it's saying. this difficult a difficulty that you're managing in that you want to go all out and try to smash that stagger bar as quickly as you can, but you also need to hold back in case you've done one too many attacks, you can't hit your dodge or your guard, and their attacks get through because you're halfway through an animation. But, I mean, even that aspect would be okay if... And this links back to your point before about... And let's just use Tifa and Barrett for the sake of it because they're for Chris and I, that's still our party at the moment. Um, if, if they were smarter, if the AI was better, if they responded to things better, then that's probably okay. If you bite off a little bit more than you can chew and you get whacked for it, that's all right because again, you've got teammates there that are supporting you. But if they're not, um, if they're, they're just kind of getting in the way or they're not healing you when they've got an opportunity, then all of a sudden you... You know, it really undermines the whole thing. Again, I think that's supposed to be a feature, not a bug. I think they want you to be really rapidly switching between characters, firing off attacks, using that tactical bar, getting to the point where you're using the L1 command to rapidly fire off those attacks. So you're quickly switching the character L1 circle, switch the next character, L1, X, whatever. They want it to feel really rapid and overwhelming. But I don't know if I'm completely down with that. It's almost the po- like they're trying to turn a traditional JRPG, and in the eyes of some, they're wrong. The best traditional turn-based JRPG, and they're they're taking the polar opposite direction. Maybe and, and it's it's okay to do something different, of course. Um, but they may be going too far one way. Like they're trying to turn this un- unrelenting experience, and I, I don't know that doesn't that doesn't speak to me nearly as much anyway as the traditional thing. Or yeah, even some well, middle ground, which is where, say, a Final Fantasy fifteen did fit and exist, and it wasn't forcing you to toggle between characters all the time. They were a little bit smarter. They like that was fine. So, yeah. Well, I I was actually about to mention Final Fantasy fifteen because that is actually one of the the very few that I have spent a little bit of time with, and I did find that combat, um, at least at the beginning, much easier to to pick up, and I found yeah. that more more accessible. And I still found plenty of challenging fights along the way, but it just—it's um, been a while since I played it, so my memory is a little hazy. But I, I do just remember it just being very, very responsive, very, very quick and breezy, and and easy to pick up. And then um, while um, while you and and Stephen are talking about uh, you know Galaxy Brain uh, Final Fantasy VII remake combat animations here, I'm over here sort of wondering why can't i use items unless i have an atb bar to use uh, for, for me that was actually a bit of a rude shock because uh perhaps it's still that's... a shock to me even this far into the game yeah, yeah that that was that was a real rude shock to me and i was like 
what are you telling me i can't heal unless i actually get in there build up some atb and use an atb bar to use an item that you got to put yourself at risk to be able to heal yourself or how many times did you find yourself running to the fringes of the arena to hide because you couldn't do anything and another reason why i ended up having healing materia on every single character in my party yeah yeah, it makes I'm a lot of sense. Glad, uh, I'm glad I'm not the only one then. I, I don't feel quite so much a, a noob at the moment. <laughs> no, no, I mean, I think regardless of your knowledge of the source material, this is still a very different Final Fantasy VII. So I think mm. in many respects we're still coming at this thing all on the same page. It's only the, the narrative stuff that I think separates a lot of people here. Especially Look, if, like in your case, you're coming in with that Final Fantasy XV background. Some people might be coming at it with Kingdom Hearts three. I feel sorry for them. Um, but... You know, they, they're going to come in with a degree of experience of games that are somewhat adjacent to this anyway, even if they're not exactly there and they don't have that, that narrative background. That's fine. Hmm. Give it three months and there will be min-maxing materia guides and best strategies for every single encounter in this game because of what they've done with the materia system for one. Uh, but, you know, that's just the fact of the matter that I I've smashed this thing out in six days it's not necessarily the most conducive way to play a game and completely familiarize yourself with the ins and outs of the entire battle system. And I was running off a lot of my memories of how Materia worked in the original game. Yeah, and you do need to break that down a little bit. Oh, as in the, the changes that they've made? Yeah, yeah. Like, you, you've got this this memory, as you, as you spoke about, and you, you can draw on that. And that's great if you're going to go back to the original Final Fantasy VII, but you're not. Um, yeah. well, and so it's, having to break some of your own rules and play things a little bit differently, it's something that I've struggled with a little bit as well. And that's that's fine. Again, that's one of the great things about remaking the game is they can do a few things differently. But I'm still falling into the trap a little bit. Yeah. And again, with the limitations they've placed on materia, meaning that there is basically a finite amount of them in the game world. You can only buy so many of them. You can find so many of them in the world and you can't max out their AP and have it birth another materia anymore yeah that hurts a little bit um i discovered that one the hard way chris are you familiar with what we just discussed there uh no but i'll, I'll keep it in mind go, uh, well, go on steve and explain i'll explain it so basically in the original final fantasy 7 the same way that you can level up your character your material levels up after battles and you've probably noticed that in terms of new and more powerful spells unlocking in your green material or higher mm. percentage increases in purple and yellow material and things like that what would happen when you max out the ap of a material is it would then burn a base level material of that material so for example yep. if you maxed out your lightning material you would then find a shiny new baby lightning materia in your inventory ready to uh, suffer the same fate. Now, this was exploited greatly to come up with some brilliant strategies at defeating some of the most heinous enemies um, throughout Final Fantasy VII. Uh, most notably, probably the Knights of the Round summon and maxing that out to get a few of those happening, which are uh, notoriously the most difficult to get summon materia in the game in terms of the amount of steps required to reach it but also the Once amount of it. damage it yeah hit. so if you could spam multiple knights of the round summons and then do all these other crazy things with mime and reflect uh you could basically set it up to take out the most difficult enemy of the game uh in a handful of turns with a few little materia trick which right. cannot be done in this version 
at least at this point, I'm sure some genius out there is going to tinker with these systems and come up with some crazy combinations that ultimately destroy enemies very quickly in this. But uh, I think for a lot of people coming in, you will quickly familiarize yourself. You're like, okay, all these metal enemies, I should strap a lightning material on and make that my elemental attack. Oh, most other enemies are pretty weak to fire. Uh, they do throw in the odd ice and uh, wind weakness on particular enemies, but in the original game, most of those started to appear outside of Midgar. I remember spending a lot of time just with fire and um, thunder materia in Mid. Yeah, and it didn't really matter too much. You could just wail on them with whatever and you were fine. You could just brute force your way through it if you wanted to. Hell, you didn't even have to go with materia. You could just. Well, you could grind. Yeah. yeah. You can't grind in this one to a no. certain degree. Have you? Did you end up? Because I, uh, you know, picking through the trophies as I do, because I'm a dirty trophy whore. Um, I did see that there was the the trophy for hitting level fifty. Did you get even remotely close to that? Uh, thirty five. I finished the game at level thirty five. Holy shit! Okay. So there must be, uh, you know, again, I'm not nearly as far as you, but there must be a bunch of ways to be able to level up beyond that, or some degree of level grinding. Is that a bit? Uh, chapter select, so you can take your characters through it. The when you finish the game, it gives you a chapter select option to go back through and um, mop up any collectibles you miss. Ah, okay. Oh, geez. Okay, I'm I'm eyeing off that platinum trophy now. Oh, I got to play it on hard though. Yeah, uh, that's not. not anything I wish to do anytime. <laughs> no, I'll wait until again my... those um material battle strategies guides come out and it tells me step by step what i need to do to smash every boss before i have a crack at that look we'll just wait for lance to crack the game it'll inevitably be lance he'll break into the game he'll give he'll be the one that gives us all these little guides and tricks and tips on how to do it because he would have dived into the back end and picked the game clean like he does with bloodborne and everything like that so give us a nice debug camera mode you know where, yeah uh, 100%. Sort of, you know little 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 photo mode as well with so watches the uh, giant scorpions flipping you off as it's falling to its death you remember that one that he found from god of war <laughs> goodness me now lance does some very impressive stuff um, can't wait to get up close to some of those really low res pngs that they use as skyboxes oh yeah there's a few there's a few do- chris you mentioned it before you were talking about like the the attention to detail and a few different like with some of the characters and whatnot but then there's other yeah. areas and you're in the slums at the moment have you gone to um, and this is not really spoilerish for anyone watching or listening. Um, Cloud's little, I don't know, hotel room, the room he stays in, his little apartment. Yet, yes, yeah, yeah, I have. Did you I notice have. the door? I did. Yeah, I did notice that there are some, some some backgrounds and some textures. It, it like there was some really, pop-in really low res or, or something like that. But um, either popping or super low res. Yeah, I thought um, I thought you were going to tell me. Oh, they totally stacked the the front end of the game with these gorgeous visuals, and it turns to crap halfway through. Stephen can talk to that. I, I, no, in terms of the big the big stuff, no, it looks it's fantastic. Pretty I think it's the uneven throughout. There are particular areas where it's really noticeable, um, but again. I think it's mostly the slum areas, to be honest. The, the later parts of the game, especially some of the later dungeons, are all pretty solid. Okay, good. Now, outside of the main mission, there's obviously the side quests. Stephen, you'll be able to speak to this a little bit. Chris, you're just starting to dip your toes in them. But, mm. uh, actually, we'll start with you, Chris, because I know what your stance is, Stephen. Um, I've not minded them so far. I've done as many side quests as you've probably got available to you. I've, there's only the course six up to where I'm up to. I think to your point before, Stephen, chapter eight is when I get a, a new round of them. When I when I um, 
deal with Aerith and all that at that point. Uh, but Chris, at this point, you and I have done the same number of side quests. What have you made of them so far? Yeah, I think uh, they they haven't totally blown me away, but I you know have been doing them for the sake of you know any, any particular bonuses they give me or any any leveling yeah. and that sort of thing. You know, some of the the side quests that I've done have been the um, uh, the fellow who gets you to you know assess different enemies and he works on oh, Chadley. Theory. Yeah, Chadley. That's that's who it was. Yeah, I was so was... taken with him and his name that I named my Animal Crossing town after him. <laughs> nice, Chadley. Um, yeah, so I did. Uh, I've, I've done some of those quests, and uh, I've been asked to sort of you know do some side quests dealing with you know what would be considered like vermin enemies and that sort of thing. Yep. So so far, it's been pretty standard early game RPG, even bordering on you know sort of early well, MMO sort of stuff. Uh, pretty pretty straightforward. Nothing terribly exciting, but um, it hasn't quite got to the point where I'm like, oh god, I'm just going to mainline from here on. Uh, so I haven't encountered anything outstanding, but nothing that sort of made me want to, you know, throw my PlayStation out the wall, uh, out the window, or anything. Stephen, go on, because I know you've got plenty of thoughts on side quests. Rubbish. They're all rubbish. <laughs> They're straight up garbage. They're just pathetic fetch quests or combat encounters or a fetch quest tied to a combat encounter i mean there's so little reward (laughs) to doing them it's just it is really where this thing falls flat and it's another part of it that really hampers the pacing i think which is inevitable when you're stretching out you know a five to ten hour section of a game into a 30 plus hour section but i hate it's so goddamn cliche but in a post witcher 3 world it doesn't stack up you need to do better like just do better like that's the best you could come up with yeah i can feel you there yeah it's uh, they just i felt they kind of detracted the only benefit to doing any of them is it does give you some nice story encounters like there's an encounter you can only get with tifa if you complete all the side quests okay uh, more reason for me to do it i'll stick at it then well, in that section. So there's, again, three chapters with side quests. If you do all of the chapter three side quests, that's when you get a little bonus. Oh, yeah, okay. So yeah, I've done that then. Yeah, cool. But that said, to do all those ones in chapter three, you do, and Chris, I don't know if you've done this yet, uh, have to deal with the cat fetch quest thing? No, I haven't done that yet. Oh, man. Finding those cats was a nightmare for starters. Only for them to run away and the kid to be, oh, that's okay, no worries, like, you know, whatever, and then they just show up, like, fucking serious i oh <laughs> nearly threw my controller through a window at that point this is this is where i'm like looking at some of these reviews where it's like you know flat 10 out of 10 and i'm like really like even the fetch questy garbage like that's new that's you know that wasn't in the original game it's something that's actively worse yeah yeah, there's there's a there's a few decisions that have been made or inclusions that are that are fantastic, and I think most of them relate to the big picture narrative. Um, things like uh, the, the the extra interactions between Biggs, Wedge, and Jesse, and I'm not so sure about Roche, but you know he's given he in fact he gives me the shits that arrogant little douchebag punch. That was school. a that was a weird addition. Um, I've only dealt with him. There was the there was the bike sequence, and then. And Chris, I'm avoiding specific details here. There's a bike sequence, and then there's an encounter with him afterwards. That's that's the extent of my time with him so far. And I'd be very happy to not have to deal with him again. But my gut says he'll be back because he's that sort of character. So is he a new character to the remake? Yep. 
Yeah, right. Unless, okay. unless, I, unless, and see, maybe you can confirm. I don't recall him being present at all in the original. No, he wasn't. But then again, I don't think that bike sequence to Jesse's house and any of that event was there. That's just, again, them enriching the story. And I think that's probably those due things to the are fact fantastic, that, though. Yeah, I think that's more down to the fact that they had to build this whole section of the game for the bike sequence toward the end of the game that's you know very well known and they probably thought why don't we get a bit more use out of this and there does seem to be a lot of that doubling and tripling up backtracking in later chapters to do things in previous areas which obviously is going to pad out the length yeah righto mm. a bit yeah a bit torn on some of those yeah i mean like i can see when it comes to the bike one and i you know i don't know what else there might be uh when it comes to the bike one i'm kind of okay with it to an extent that like if they do it once maybe twice before the the big key iconic one they're they're giving you a tutorial essentially that's and that's what it does come off as feeling like and i think it's going to be really beneficial for new players to not have because if you think back to the original final fantasy that thing was borderline schizophrenic when it came to minigame like the amount of weird ass minigames they put in there that you would do once and then never touch again like Again, it's just not something that a studio would do today. There's just so much work that goes into making that stuff these days that why you would you justify. use it? You can't justify just using it one. And that's that's where uh, Gwent became the biggest thing in the world because it uh, main game there, and then all of a sudden became its own product. It was awesome. So, it's, yeah, it's uh, actually one one thing um, I wouldn't mind touching with sort of the, the quests and and especially the side quests. Is um, and sort of doing a little bit of a plug for the um, the coverage I've been doing for Player Two for Final Fantasy fourteen the the online oh, yeah. M- yeah, MMO good. which I've just been I've just been um, you know touching on for the first time and as you'd expect with the MMOs there are a bunch of fetch quests and and you know sort of a lot of those vanilla yeah for lack of a better word vanilla uh, combat encounters but a lot of that is um, a lot of the sort of um, monotony of that is diminished somewhat by the sheer fact that you can do it with other people when, you know, um, there's, uh, you know, the multiplayer aspect, the social aspect. So you can, you know, do some of these more uh, grindy or sort of laid back uh, quests and that sort of stuff while, you know, socialising with others or even um, the the writing and the what the work the localization team has done for 14 is fantastic. There's so much charm out of even the most basic of side quests that you almost start uh, seeking them out for just some of these little charming vignettes that present themselves. But especially from what you're saying, Stephen, that a lot of these um, side quests here in, in uh, the remake of Seven... Um, well, there's there's no way to, to lessen the the impact of them by multiplayer, but uh, yeah, it sounds like it's it, so. Reading between the lines, would you say to someone like myself who is relatively early game in the remake, would you just say just focus on the main line, or would I need to do some of the side quests for leveling purposes, or what 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 would you say to someone who's pretty early on or is about to jump in? It's tough because, again, there are gameplay rewards tied to some of those quests and light story rewards, but if you are really digging the narrative and you want to keep that breakneck speed going, you can go back and do them all in the chapter select if that's a route you would like to take. So, again, 
it's really up to you. If you are, if if you think it's giving you a nice little break and you can mosey around town for a bit and do a few good deeds for people, then go for it. But if you are really wanting to hammer through to that next story sequence and you don't think you particularly need any extra assistance with battles, then again, you could probably pass them up and go back and do them later once you've rolled credits. Okay. Would you say, hypothetically, if I were to just main quests, would I encounter battles later on that I'd think, oh, geez, I wish I did some more leveling? Or do you find it's... Mm. it's Yeah. It really depends. If you're playing on normal, depending on how confident you are in the battle system, I'd say that it's a little bit uneven. There were some bosses I had way more trouble with than others, like early game bosses that were way more difficult than late game bosses. And that can partially be down to experience with the battling system, better weapons. You, you yeah. know, are doing more effective unlocks on those weapons, but also, yeah, it's, it'd be hard without having a list of what specific rewards you get from those side quests. Yeah, but I think the fact that you can max out at level 50 in this game does mean that I found that even a single level felt different in the combat. Like, I noticed my characters feeling... Oh, the extra extra bump to your stats. Yeah, and Hmm. obviously that ties in with the extra bump to your weapons because weapons have experience points too in this game now and you unlock skills and, you know, better stats for them through levelling. Were you a fan of that? Of that aspect, the skill points for the weapons? I am only because it makes some of those early game weapons still viable. Like, there are times... Like, the bottom weapon on your list isn't necessarily the best weapon for a given situation or the yeah. best weapon flat out. I found myself floating between a few of the earlier weapons, even late game. And I think just for that fact alone, that there is only about eight weapons per character, that even the Buster Sword can still hold its own to some degree in the final areas of the game is quite nice because obviously you do they're all lovingly rendered you get to see the individual materia slotted into them yeah. and it's always a mm. shame when you know so many weapons and armor sets and things like the armor's trash you got to toss that stuff away as soon as you get the better stuff but the weapons at least um it is nice to not just you know do the sentimental thing and you keep the first weapon and sell everything else or you know it just gets relegated to the item bag once a shinier weapon comes along. Mm. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, any opportunity to see that Buster Sword hanging off Cloud's back, I think, as far as I'm concerned. So the fact that it can still be a viable option towards the back end of the game is is a good thing as far as I'm concerned. That's that's what I was curious about, is that have they implemented this system so people can carry around the Buster Sword for the entire game? Yeah, you could. There's probably a little temptation from Square in the background. Let's let's go on. Let's stick that thing there. We want it in their face all the time. Remind them. Remind them. Remind them how cool it is. Well, again, it's iconic. You know that the poster of Cloud looking up at the reactor that was everywhere in 1997 is. You know that's why they reuse that shot for the remake. It's iconic, and that sword is, for better or worse, an iconic part of Final Fantasy VII. There's definitely no worse aspect to it, as far as I'm concerned. But any opportunity, it's a cool, it's a cool sword, and the story behind it's cool. Everything from Crisis Core related to it's cool. Yep, managed to plug that again. Um, again with the Crisis Core. 
Yeah, it's not even, and that's not even the best Final Fantasy. Like, don't don't give me an opportunity to start talking about nine. But um, any other thoughts? Anything else from the game at all that either of you are still looking to discuss? The summons, uh, Chris. I don't think you've unlocked a summon yet. Not but, yet. Um, no. Stephen, what do you think about them? <clears throat> they look fantastic. Oh, uh, that's, that's that's a Final Fantasy thing. And it is nicer to have them more akin to an AI-controlled guest character rather than just a single use big hitting attack. Because like, rem- like, I think we forget that the reason people loved the summons was because that was where a lot of the highest level of graphical fidelity in Final Fantasy VII came from, those yeah. particular attack animations. Yeah, for Albeit, sure. Albeit, by the end of the game, you were so goddamn sick of seeing them, but they were unskippable. But, and you probably might not be aware of this Chris but you could spam them you could use summon materia over and over again provided you had the MP whereas uh, in remake characters can only equip a single summon materia again they cannot be uh, birthed from maxing them out so once you've got one summon materia that's it that's the only version of that you well they they come maxed out yeah but they also cannot be used in every battle they're very limited, and generally what I've noticed is it's relegated to usually the second and third stage of a boss fight is when you can bust out a summon materia. So don't rely on it too heavily. Um, and pay attention to it as well, because it's one of those things that's kind of cheekily stuck on the side of the materia screen there. So you've got you've got your normal materia, and then just to the right of that's where the summon can get slotted once you've actually unlocked Ifrit as your first one. Um I went over to my, my folks' place yesterday to sort out a few grocery bits and pieces for them because you can't stick around there too long at the moment. Um, but my sister was playing the remake at the time and she's she's hardcore Final Fantasy Seven. She was one of those that came on years and years after the fact but just thinks that she knows it back to... Where, where the hipsters of Final Fantasy Seven? You get out of here, you just go back are to... You, your, are you gatekeeping your own sister? Uh, 100%, any day of the week. Um, <laughs> that family dynamic for you. Uh, but... She's sitting there playing, and she's been so desperate to just smash through this thing. She was so eager that she didn't even know. Like she's like, I said, "Have you got your summons yet?" And she, she didn't even realize. You know, she did, because we're used to getting games early. She didn't know about how to view the trophies and those sort of things. I pointed that out to her, and like, you haven't got a, you haven't got the one for using a summon yet. She goes, "No, how do you do that?" And I go, "What are you doing?" You, like, she's chapter. She was chapter thirteen or fourteen at the time. Quite probably done by now. Um, but she was that far into the game and hadn't used a, used a summon at all, and it's because she was just smashing through, like ignoring the dialogue. I know Final Fantasy VII. I'm just gonna I'm gonna go for it. And they've made that subtle little tweak there about how summons are used and whatnot that she hadn't used Ifrit or God knows who else she had at that particular point in time, as well. So, just listeners, viewers, keep your eye out for it because it's not it's not obvious, and they don't make a huge deal about it. But make sure to equip it. Oh well, yeah, I have to make a make a note to do that. But um, I'd say for for me, there's there's probably probably two things you know I'd I'd want to finish on um, with with regards to sort of my experience so far of the remake and what I'm sort of looking forward to slash expecting or hoping for. Um, uh, so firstly, I'm you know very very keen to see sort of where where the plot goes and. Uh, also, the um, what what the deal is with this uh, this Aerith woman? Um, you know, what are these you know strange spectral sort of things that you come across and all that sort of stuff? Because you know, as as I've said, I I have you know know through you know 
through the the sheer thing of just existing in the gaming world that uh, you know something happens but um you know i've got no idea about the blanks in between so i'm very very fascinated to see sort of where things go as far as that goes and what sort of relationship you or rather cloud has with with Aerith. so to I'm be very... fair those spectral things they surprised me too i had no idea what was going on so okay okay so that's that's a new thing i take it but uh, the yeah, unless my memory's dodgy yeah, yeah well, it's a new thing yeah well the um yeah so the relationship with with Aerith and sort of the, the role that that she plays because obviously from all i've seen is she's a a mysterious uh, flower peddler so i'm interested to see sort of how uh you know she forms a significant component of of the the game and the narrative um, the the other thing is, I'm I'm hoping that through a little bit of practice and a little bit more time that the combat gels with me a little bit more because I found yeah. that even even early on even in the the initial reactor mission that I I felt like just just small sort of sort of intangible things such as taking damage in combat i felt that there was a lack of tangible uh impacts or feedback when you took damage because i thought i was breezing through some of these early battles and all of a sudden i'm you know running from one encounter to the next and running through this reactor facility and all of a sudden i look down and realize holy crap clouds only got 200 hp left uh because i, I didn't realize get lost a bit yeah, because I, I didn't realise sort of in the, the mix of, you know, doing the real-time combat, flicking between some of the uh, the tactical uh, battle mode and, you know, unleashing some abilities and that sort of stuff, that during that time I had steadily been taking combat and there were, you know, there were I could see, you know, I was taking, you know, 24, 24, 24 bits of damage at a time, but there wasn't much in the way of sort of feedback or rumble or something to sort of suggest that, hey, you're actually taking a fair bit of damage here. Um, so that was something that was a bit of a, a shock to me, sort of trying to, to keep an eye on that because I, I go going back to playing uh, Kingdom Hearts and I think Final Fantasy XV, I do remember that when you took a substantial amount of damage or when you entered sort of that red zone, that uh, you you certainly knew about it. The game would let you know about it. Whereas here, it sort of felt a little bit sneaky. Um, but it feels like a relatively minor thing. But it's sort of, to me, it feels like it's sort of that lost ground or that um, sort of slipping slipping through of the cracks of sort of the uh, action and RPG components of the game coming together. That yep. just didn't quite feel uh, properly coalesced, uh, so to speak. Yeah, I'm with you. Stephen, any any closing thoughts about the game at all? Obviously, you know where it ends, so feel free not to tempt us too much with uh, spoiler-related bits and pieces. But uh, You were teasing you, us off-air. <laughs> where, where are we... What are you looking for as we head into an inevitable part two and three and four and 16 and God knows how many? Um, what are, what are you look, looking for out of the next part, presumably in, say, 2022? I'm really looking forward to everyone having finished this game so we can actually talk about what is going to happen That's for fair. part two. Um, Maybe we'll ne- I'll need to call you both together again in a few weeks. Spoiler I, cast. I imagine I'm going to get an all-caps text from you the minute you finish this game, to be quite honest. Okay, right. Expect the unexpected is all, right. all I'm going to say. And that extends to part two, then, I assume, based on that? I... I I think I pointed it out. And again, 
I hope that people get some of the things that I put into my review that will make a bit more sense if it's revisited after you finish the game. Yep. Just choice a, words. Yeah. Oh. Have to, have Again, to no spoilers, them. and I, d- I don't want to do that thing where I try to dance around spoilers and inevitably you're intelligent enough to connect the dots and I come off like a tool, so we'll just leave it at that. I mean, for me, pretty simply, without having the, the narrative aspect that we've just been discussing, there is still the the side quests and the gameplay and those sort of things that we've been discussing that I'd love to see a bit more refinement there. I'd like to, I'd like to see some AI that is actually contributing to a scenario as opposed to being maybe a drawback in some ways. Um, I'd like to see just these systems fleshed out and improved and tweaked. Um, the side quests give us something meaningful to do rather than chasing cats for no good reason. Um, one thing that I suspect is going to happen is that in a year's time when the Xbox Series X, presumably, version launches, maybe there's some extra stuff in there, maybe there's some refinements, yeah. maybe there's some enhancements, and maybe then we get a big old PS4 patch to bring us up to speed with that version because a year is a really long time to have a product sit there with no further additions to it. To be fair, they don't necessarily need to make any additions to it. The you know they've obviously they still have, regardless of some of its faults, they have still packed this thing pretty t- uh, densely with stuff. They've yeah. turned uh, as as we've discussed a you know probably eight to ten hour sequence from a from a forty fifty hour game into a thirty hour experience on its own. So they've they've done a fair bit with it. Um, and I'm obviously really curious to see what will happen when we when we're out of Midgar and the from the original Final Fantasy VII, the open world actually emerges. Like, are we going to get that open world? Are we going to get some bastardization of that? Are we? Um, is it going to be still ultra linear and the whole open world is just removed completely? You know, I'm really curious to see how that all plays out. And then, obviously, the iconic moment from Final Fantasy VII. I can't help but wonder what's going to happen with that. I, I'm not one of those, and Stephen again say absolutely nothing in case there's anything that they tease or tempt in any way, shape, or form. I hope they don't change it. That's that's my one big thing is I hope they don't change that. I don't want them to switch it up, and I think that's protect the protect the core narrative. Good, Stephen um, saying nothing. I'm well just going to say nothing. <laughs> well, Very I well think, behaved. I think I'm I'm in a similar boat to you, Paul. Uh, you know, from the perspective of um, more, more so, I just, I just want to sort of experience this, um, this core narrative that has been such a, uh, such an important part of so many players' lives for for so many years. And you know, I'm, I'm looking forward to sort of finally actually experiencing and you know having the gaps filled in on this this mythology of a game that has um, seemingly stood the test of time. So. And I'm also keen to yeah see what the deal with Sephiroth is because he to me he's just a big bad boss that I fought in an optional thing in Kingdom Hearts. So <laughs> he, he looks really cool. He's got a big long ass sword. Uh, so he's he's got this real air of mystery to me. So I've got no idea what his deal is other than he's got a cool sword. So I'll uh, I'll supposedly find out. Uh, Can't wait for you to discover all that. Yeah, yeah. So I'll uh, I'll find out soon enough, no doubt. Looking forward, yeah. To, yeah. Looking forward to hearing about it. Fifteen or so chapters to go, and you'll be right up there with the rest of us, 
generally. <laughs> the weirdest thing is, like, everything I remember about Final Fantasy VII, most of it is after Midgar. Yeah. There's obviously, you know, things like the bike, and there's a, there's a few key moments, but everything else is, yeah, basically outside of Midgar, so... It is an interesting one. It's you know it might be a drawback for some when it comes to this remake. The fact that we're not getting that component, so we'll see. Uh, as we wrap things up, plugs from the both of you. Uh, Bado and Demo do patched and patched only, so I don't usually have to deal with that with them. But the two of you are contributing some stuff to the website and, and elsewhere as well. So maybe talk a little bit about Chris. You can get the ball rolling there. Uh, Spruik your wares. Yeah, so lately I think most of my stuff has been player two, but I also uh, co-host a podcast about the Apple Arcade service, the gaming subscription service on iOS and Mac and that sort of stuff. Um, So that's the Mobile Arcade Club. Um, Other than that, if you just want to suss out what I do, uh, following me on Twitter is probably the best way to see what I get up to, and that's at Bibiboy, B-I-B-B-Y-B-H-O-Y. Directly under his name, uh, under his picture right now. If you're watching the YouTube version, Stephen, how about you? Uh, you can read my uh, Player Two Final Fantasy VII remake review. Uh, it's also on Metacritic. They uh, judged my B plus to be an 83. So uh, <laughs> hopefully that's high Sufficient enough to not you. put me in the shit list of a lot of Final Fantasy VII fans. Look, I did and, see that uh, EGM gave it a 60, so you're safe, mate. Yeah, I mean. Hit me up on Twitter if you want to talk about that ending. Just keep it low key so the rest of us don't see it, all right? Yeah, just D- DM him. Don't tweet yeah. him publicly. Yeah. Uh, and for myself, yeah, look, there's, I had a little sticky note full of things that I've got to do this week. Some of those things will be up. Some of those I can talk about. Some of those I can't. So I'm just not going to talk about any of them. Um, visit the website, player2.net.au, for reviews, previews, opinions, news, features, etc., etc. Heaps of awesome stuff there from these guys and a whole bunch of other awesome people as well. There's some dude called Matt Houston that runs it. He's a bit of a shit show, actually. Um, uh, the YouTube channel, make sure to like, share, and subscribe to that so you can get more episodes of Patched as well as the Insider, Player 2 Plays. I've probably got to stop talking about the Insider. I haven't done one of those in six to eight weeks now, so maybe it'll come back, maybe it won't. Um, and a whole bunch more subscribe go check it out so they all pop up we did have a player two plays dedicated to final fantasy 7 that went up alongside of steven's review so if if the written word that he's put together is uh not enough for you on its own then you can go check out some video uh, video stuff for the game as well which come on it's like two thousand words it's probably the longest review i've put together for the site ever so if if that's not enough for you there is more but it should quench your appetite i'm just go check out the video too even if you just hit play and just let it play out, like just walk off, go get a coffee, I don't know. Um, we're on Patreon, patreon.com slash player2au, kicking a few bucks at the lower tiers, early access to episodes, at the higher tiers, monthly episode exclusives. And we've already done the Twitter handles, so you two mentioned yours. For me, it's Paul James Games. The website's player2au. Boys, thanks a lot for coming on to talk about Final Fantasy VII today. Thanks for having us. And Thank Square, you. It's been fun. Square, can you do Final Fantasy IX and just not tweak it? much at all just give me a glow up of Final Fantasy 9 and I'll be very very happy otherwise thanks a lot for watching see you later bye, bye.